Uh, I knew you were the, that you were mine. Packing bowls and freeing souls from America's heartland. You're listening to Bowl After Bowl with Lorian and Spencer. Bowl After Bowl. Bowl After Bowl. Bowls and butts and bowls and bowls. It is on, folks. It is on. It is on. They're fucking full of shit. It's the boonana. Studies show marijuana can be very psychologically addictive. Man, them studies. If you're into baking, it's kind of passion. Not if you were stoned at the time. Oh, give it to me. And now here I am in fun spot, busting my ass. Do you know how bad you sound? Most indeed. Uh, I mean, yes. Stoned on pot, probably a lot of edibles. The truth, it can be a drug. Oh, shit, yes. Oh, shit, yes. Yeah. yeah. This is bait. Big chunk of bait for your Friday night. Special time, special location. Coming to you from FEMA Region 7, it's a special episode of Bowl After Bowl. We call them Bowls with Buds. It is October 20th, 2023. I'm Sir Spencer Wolf of Kansas City. I'm Dame DeLorean. And joining us once again, you know him, you love him, it's Tunta and Mousy Bear. Hey there. Hi, this is Tajunta. It's Tajunta. <laughs> That's right, you heard me right. It's Tunta. Tajunta the Hunter. In the hizzle. Oh, man. How have y'all been? Oh, we've been good. We uh, have had some visitors over the past couple of months. We've gotten some time with friends. We've gotten to see our garden really take off. We've grown our garden space. Our flock has grown. We've had new birds emerge in the flock. Ooh, yeah. That's right. That's right. And this is our second winter, and it's a little bit um, unnerving when your fuel source for heat is wood. <laughs> and, <laughs> for, and the wood delivery guy won't respond. No, no. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of trees out there. There's a lot of wood out there. It's, it's a, just. It's not as easy as you would think. You've got to have it cut into little pieces. It's hard to get a tree jammed into that uh, stove. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never thought of you as a man who would have trouble getting wood. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> so I, I am 35 now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Getting up there. It gets harder with time. Captain Ancient over here. <laughs> but that's that's the beauty of it, though, right? It does. It gets harder with time, so you got nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's just uh, just so hard. So hard. They um, call me Mister Petrification. <laughs> Stiff as a board. 
so for those joining us who are new and don't know what the hell's going on, I always try to explain it up front. Bulls with Buds, it's a special episode, special fucking episode. You know, we just sit down and do these whenever we have time and we get some bull, uh, buds in the bowl who also have time to sit down and chat with us. They're irregularly scheduled, they're sporadic, uh, and they're always a hell of a fun time. You can find them all by going to bowlswithbuds.com, including this one. So how do you like that app uh, action, bowlers? We also divide the split up for our buds, and so tonight uh, you'll see a half split going to Tunta's Fountain Wallet for now. Although uh, we've we heard before the show that Mousy may or may not have a fountain uh, wallet as well. It's like Schrodinger's wallet. Yeah, it's it's in uh, like some sort of fountain purgatory where it it's there, but it hasn't really like reached its final destination. Ah, uh, I see. It's in it's in the queue. As they say across the pond. It's in the queue, being processed. Oh, man. Well, I feel like we got a... Somebody mentioned (laughs) queue. Just the plan, baby. That means in two weeks the wallet will be ready, right? That's right. (laughs) Two weeks. Thousands of unclaimed wallets. The shoe's gonna drop. Mm -hmm. Like it's hot. Uh, Yeah, you've been doing a lot since we last spoke. And uh, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. I know you always have some cute stuff uh, to bring. Uh, you are, by the way, uh, some of the most prepared guests we've ever had. And last time, we were kind of talking about uh, homestead-type things and questions and such. And chickens were on the, uh, on the topic. So how are them chickens? You mentioned more birds in the flock, and we actually saw, uh, had the chance to see them when you were gracious enough yeah. to host us on our big uh, big journey east earlier this year. Yeah, um, so we were lucky enough to have a hen who graciously hatched out seven chicks for us this summer, and it was um, really awesome to watch her mother the chicks and um they're still smaller than the mature hens but they're getting pretty big so it's really exciting yeah those things grow so fast yeah they just really do they're little fuzz balls with legs and you just feel like one bad breeze will just blow them away (laughs) and and could very well could (laughs) and then all of a sudden they're like these big ugly juvenile chickens but you know what? There's still one who, they're up on the roosting bars at night now, but there's still one who gets up under Mama every single night. <laughs> and we so believe cute. that it's a rooster. And it's funny because the, the, the chicks that we think are most likely roosters are the ones that are clingiest to Mom. Mommy boys? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's funny. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, but it actually makes a ton of sense because as they grow into being a rooster, you know, all that those instincts about, you know, managing their flock and like looking after and protecting, they they stay close to their hens. So kind of makes sense in a way. You know, see what I'm saying? They got that <laughs> hover instinct. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you're going to keep the uh, rooster ones around to add them to the flock? Uh, it's still up for debate. Toontown's shaking his head now. I, I, I don't want them <laughs> fucking their mom. <laughs> yeah. I don't want any motherfuckers in my flock, all right? <laughs> <laughs> this is not a motherfucking kind of flock. <laughs> so we will probably... I would like to attempt to trade our roosters with a rooster from somewhere else. Yeah, that would uh, be nice. Okay. I know I know people do what they call line breeding, which is like a nicer way of saying incest. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh how you make royalty out of chickens, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't need any chickens running around here with some weird Habsburg beak. <laughs> <laughs> Must preserve the family line. Gall it down to their fucking feet. <laughs> <laughs> fucking eyeball on top of their head and all this. It's very awkward. But yeah, chickens, I mean, they don't know. Yeah, so we would like to. We want to have a rooster, but I, I don't want any line breeding to take place. It's just unnatural. Um, yeah. <laughs> it ain't right. <laughs> Lord don't like it, neither do I. That's right. Um, now, y'all have had some roosters in the past that gave you the business, right? Well, the first rooster died valiantly protecting the rest of the flock. We didn't lose any chickens, but uh, Mousy Bear came out, and that poor son of a bitch was all kinds of whooped up and hurt. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah, and I spent what it was a day or two yeah. trying to nurse him back to health and uh wasn't successful. Yeah, she she found him and it had been raining and all the other chickens had gone inside the coop and this poor bastard was just hanging out outside, oh, like no. completely exhausted, his head down. Medic not moving. Yeah. Medic. Yeah. Uh but he fought off whatever was uh coming around, huh? Yeah, yeah. They were like Every 10 to 15 feet, there was, like, a new pile of, like, feathers and stuff where you could see there was just ass-whooping after ass-whooping. <laughs> and he hung in there long enough that I'm assuming that it was a raccoon, as you know. They can be real motherfuckers. Yeah. yeah, they, well, I don't know. I wouldn't, I can't speak on that. <laughs> but they like their chicken patties. They like their chicken nuggies. Cock snatchers, maybe. Yeah. They are some real cock snatchers. No. Can't allow it. Can't allow it. No. I uh I was talking to you offline about the old uh raccoon situation and I just like <laughs> I wish I would have known anything at all other than just reading and looking at fucking YouTube stuff. Uh oh for skinning the, the for, raccoon? Yeah, man. I could have done yeah, so much better. No, man. This I really think that especially something like that is you have to have the practical knowledge. It's not good enough to just know what you have to do. Yep. Yeah, you got to get in the car and drive. Yeah. Or in yeah. this case, you got to hang up the raccoon and rip its skin off. and uh... <laughs> Rip its fucking arms off accidentally. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, man. Where I, are the shoulders? I, I, it would have been way more humane, actually, if you just got in the car and drove. <laughs> <laughs> like backed over the raccoon. Yeah. Uh, you didn't have to go Mortal Kombat fatality on him. Finish him. Hey. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Midway I'd... is going to send a team of, of artists out to you next time. They're going to motion capture you skinning your next track in. Like, oh, this, this guy's got the craziest shit ever. We got to mocap this guy. <laughs> I don't know how I did it, man. It's just like. I, was, I think you do know. Well, I was I like. You just, know exactly how you did it. I Not the shoulder part. I figured there'd be, a, you know, some kind of sign or like. Uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe hilarious. Maybe God just Velcros the shoulders on underneath somehow. <laughs> When he makes raccoons. I just thought that their arms were attached with stronger stuff. I, I don't know. I'm just looking around at this l- loose skin going. <laughs> it looks sturdier to me. Their so, arms just rip right off. Like, yeah, you can put the knife away once you get to the shoulders and just kind of pull around. And I'm like, well, I'm thinking. <laughs> Not I'm already, so intimidating now, are you? I'm already at the fucking go- arms off. <laughs> I'm already at the ears. Like, what the hell happened to the arms? <laughs> oh, they're in here. <laughs> And the tail. The tail was bad. Well, you did better than me because I, you know, rigor mortis was all set in. I I had to go off to work and it was, it was all bad. Mm -hmm. It was all ate up. So I never even really got that far. That's why I had left him hanging out in the cage for a minute because I knew I couldn't get. Yeah, you did the right thing. To the cutty boy part until later. It was so funny uh, hearing Lorian and Mousy Bear didn't hear this, but Lorian was like feeding dog food and she had a moment where she fed the dog food like right into his hand. And I know exactly what she was like experiencing because they seem, they look you right in the fucking eye. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm a mammal. You're a mammal. Like we can work this out. I'm sorry about the chickens. I'm sorry. It doesn't have to go this way. But you know what? They're fucking liars. They're a little, Mm -hmm. they'll be back. You can't trust them. They're little shits, man. I know, yeah. She was like handing the kibble over, and it was all like. Uh, it was my Snow White moment. <laughs> but I was satisfied with that. Like, I still oh. wanted him dead. <laughs> Have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? <laughs> Have you ever torn the arms off of a poor raccoon? <laughs> Not a living one, but uh, yeah. There's <laughs> just so many things that I didn't have on my 2023 bingo card but there you go raccoon don't step in the same creek twice you know why because i'm coming for its fucking arms and ripping them some bitches off no raccoon coming up here getting in my coop string his ass up the chickens weren't even that interested i threw them arms in there i was like here you go (laughs) a little taste of revenge for you taste of vengeance yeah uh any plans for any other little critters on the on the homestead there I don't know. Uh, it, do we? It would be nice, but I just—I don't think anything else makes sense. We're not like a big meat-eating family. We're not a big milk-drinking family. You know, chickens are pretty much perfect. I thought that there would be more opportunity for squirrel and raccoon uh, just in nature, but they they don't really come around. We've got a pretty badass little cat that seems to just... Kill everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Murder face kitty. Yeah. Yeah. She's a skull, skull crusher. Yeah. She is. <laughs> yeah. Mousy Bear loves that fucking cat. <laughs> is she always bringing you like trophies and stuff? Oh, yeah. I come home two o'clock in the morning from work and stuff. and I'm stepping on like half of a baby rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's fucking awful. And the t- like in the morning, it's gone. Like she's ate the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Probably the tastiest half. Like I saved you the tastiest half. Here you go. And then when you don't eat it, she comes back and it's like, wow. Okay. They're lost. I gave, I gave it a <laughs> shot. You know, they say that shit about cats. Like, oh, they're giving it to you. I don't think so. That doesn't fit with cat behavior as I know them. Well, I would agree I with think that. that it's just safekeeping. It's just you know, like, like I'll put this up here. Leopards and, yeah. These you fuckers see, like, aren't leopards, <laughs> leopards put their, their kills in the tree limbs, you know? Ah, uh, sure. And that sounds way more like a cat than, here you go, buddy. I thought I'd share my food with you. <laughs> I caught this for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're just flexing. Yeah. Pretty much like this like, could be you, like, by the way. Look, <laughs> this is what I'm capable of. So, uh, just saying, keep that water filled up fresh. So, I wanted to talk about love today. <laughs> <laughs> That's love what it. we came prepared for. Okay, I love love, and you everyone's do. like, Oh, right, cool, kinky, mm. yeah, right, oh, nice. Look. Oh, that went on longer than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it actually gets longer the more, every time you hit the button, I don't know how, it's like some kind of magical atomizer so that there's another goofy noise added every time I push this thing. Well, we're talking about the chickens and we're talking about killing raccoons. Yeah. And the first, last time we talked about self-sufficiency, self-determinism, doing for yourself and how um, we've kind of traded in our usefulness to ourselves to be useful to other people. Mm-hmm. And that's not so great. Uh, your number one responsibility in life is to be the master of yourself. So you're supposed to learn things, make yourself useful. But the problem is, that arises with that is that when you are focused on that, it's really easy to become so selfish that you don't realize that the goal of mastering yourself isn't actually to feel awesome about yourself because you, you won't feel it that way. It only becomes beneficial when you use that self mastery to benefit other people. And that's why I wanted to talk about that today, because I, I feel I get this sense when I'm in public and when I'm talking to my friends and when with my family members, there's so much tension in society. And if for people who are still like living under some sort of like illusion that everything is smooth sailing and like, ah, it's all going to work out. I don't know what to do with those people for those people anymore. (laughs) I I know that I don't have all of the answers for self-sufficiency either, but the point is, is that if we're all investing in ourselves and we're all trying to master ourselves, now we're useful, but the other shoe to drop is going to be working for each other. It's, It's we're all, in this giant state machine generating our own outputs. We're feeding them back in as inputs for one another. We're in this grand river of carbon flowing through space and time. So we become potent for ourselves, but we fulfill our potential and that only becomes kinetic when we connect to other people. That's, that's our, my whole spiel for today. Can you dig it? I love it. I dig it. Appreciate you coming on. It's been a great show. Can't wait for the next one. All right. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I love that because it's a continuation on uh, where we last left off, really. It's Mm -hmm. like, 
Yeah. And so you can relax. There's, we don't have like multiple choice okay. answers that you can get all of them wrong again. <laughs> yeah. You, this you, is a little more. Open. You made me look Sorry. even dumber than I usually look on <laughs> last time. Uh, instead, Mousy Bear's got some hot stats oh. about suicide and depression right off the cuff. Oh, killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Self-sufficiency of murder. Oh, no. (laughs) I don't need to go to a doctor to help me attempt suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Figure this shit out. Did you know that nearly 50,000 people in the United States die every year from suicide, while over a million and a half people attempt suicide? I did not. (laughs) Did you know an estimated... 21 million adults in the United States had at least one major depressive episode. This number represented 8.3 of all United States adults. That's a lot of adults. That's like an adult for every possible Bitcoin. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. All right. And um, the final little stat is um, in a 2019 study from Cigna Insurance showed that 58% of respondents surveyed said that no one in their life knew them well. And that's pre-COVID. So, and Cigna Insurance, I mean, so uh, the first one about suicide, that's from the CDC. And the second one about depression, major depressive episodes, that's from the NIH. And I mean, you take all that stuff with a grain of salt, but I, I kind of tend to really trust insurance uh, companies when they do these surveys. Cause they're, they're doing it for a reason. They're trying to balance their budget. So when they say that over half of the population doesn't feel like anybody knows them, well, they've got an actuary that's sitting there trying to figure out how much that's going to cost them. They're like, Oh shit, these people are lonely. We're going to get killed this year. They should just uh, reply to the survey and be like, well, we know you very well now, so that's one person. <laughs> and yeah. it always starts with one, right? Yeah. Take this swab from inside your mouth, and now it's we're practically family. <laughs> that's crazy. So you think uh, – I always wonder on surveys because uh, I've taken some surveys myself, although they don't like call me for all of them. <laughs> but yeah. – you know, sometimes when I'm get, getting asked a question on a survey, I'm I'm always trying to be, like, conscious of what's the motive of getting this information from me and do I want to be fully candid about it. You think the numbers might be suppressed uh, mm. even on surveys like that, like self-reporting? That's what I wondered, too, when I was reading through that. Or, uh, or do you think people interpret that as, like, known in the biblical sense and maybe the number is overinflated? I don't know, but what I do... I know these stats and I know that when I'm in public and when I'm dealing with the public, people are fucking freaked out, man. And totally. it's not cool. Uh, I jokingly said to you recently that, you know, I get tense too. And that you if everybody was Spencer, me, <laughs> a little bit, I know. Uh, and I, and I, but like as a joke, I, well, kind of as a joke, I, I told you that if everybody was Spencer driving on the highway and working at the gas station and all these other things, uh, it would 
be a lot easier. It'd be kind but, of alarming, though, wouldn't it? Like, you leave a place with, like, several me's and show up somewhere else, and then I'm yeah. there again? Like, I don't know. Or I go get an oil change, and they don't put the fucking plug back in. It's like <laughs> uh, being John Malkovich Sorry. at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Malkovich, right, Malkovich, the, Malkovich? Malkovich? <laughs> the, the point is, though, is that we don't have... People feel disconnected to yeah. one another, myself included. And my mission is, I, I you know we've made this big life change so that we can do for ourselves. But I know that that's not the end of it. The, where we have to go from there is that this is just a stepping stone so that we can actually be closer to other people. There's no reason for doing all this other stuff. There's no reason for having chickens. And just like last time we said, everybody's got these different circumstances and things that makes them useful to other people. And I understand that. But none of it means anything if we don't find a way to use that to increase the love that we have and the, the real connections that we have with other people. Yeah, I like that sentiment. Um, our last Bulls with Buds was Stephen Bell, and he recommended we watch this movie Captain Fantastic. Have you ever seen this movie Captain Fantastic? Well, that rings a bell. Yeah, is that the one where the dude is living out in the woods with his kids? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. 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 I like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, I, yeah, re- I really like that movie. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's it's also, though, a bit of a downer, and I think it kind of, between the lines, has what you're talking about, right? Like they Yeah, totally, I think so. I hadn't made that connection, but I think you're right. They go balls to the wall, like homeschooling their kids out in the middle of the Pacific Northwest woods, uh, all the way self-sustaining. But then, you know, when the mother uh, tragically passes away and they come back into society to try to like go to the funeral, it's just like untenable. It's like not possible. They don't fit in. And not in the sense of like, oh, people think they're weird. Uh, it's actually like a big problem. Like it's like yeah. legal trouble problem. It's like life ruining. And so I think what you're saying is is super important and something that we don't think about often. It's like I always thought one of the big failures of the original hippie psychedelic movement was the whole disconnection. It was like tune in. Yeah turn on drop out but then you drop out and uh all of a sudden you you other yourself and you don't bring back any kind of positive message you're basically allowing the rest of society's confirmation biases to be totally confirmed and so they're just going to you know i mean it's good that you know that you're not crazy you know that you're doing the right thing and doing better things and getting smarter and and living responsibly but Everybody else thinks you're a lunatic whack job, and uh, what if they you're make that? Have some of that. I think so. There's no elimination, <laughs> right? You're not going to convince everybody, especially. Uh, well, it doesn't really even take much to be a lunatic whack job these days. You know, no. all you, mm-hmm. you got to do is r- delete your Facebook account, and then boom, you're you're <laughs> you're fringe. Yeah, and, and I and I earnestly believe that that's part of the subversion of love itself. Is that the the rules it, like we think that we're so open-minded and that we're so progressive. We think that we're so open-minded and so progressive that we're mad at how open-minded and progressive we are. But in fact, the rules for love have never been so strict. Mm. 
if if it weren't true, then it wouldn't be over 50% of the population that say that no one knows them in their life well. That tells me that's the proof. That's how strict our rules for love are because we can't we've we've got all these boundaries and whether you want to blame it on cell phones, whether you want to blame it on capitalism or you know, communists subverting everything. It doesn't really matter to me. We've got a problem and we know what the solution is. We know what the answer is. We all do. It's love. It has to be. I love, I love that thesis. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm going to move it on just a little bit here. Um, I, like I had told you before we did this, that I don't, I want to be careful not to feel like I'm evangelizing. Um, You know, I come from a Christian background and I'm going to use the Greek philosophical forms of love, which, I mean, you can go to a ton of different like Christian websites and they'll break it down in these terms because so much of the Christian thinkers in the beginning as they were writing and they were using Greek philosophy. Um, but I'm not, you know, it's, it, people in the audience, if they're hearing like me use these terms, these are just the ones that, I pick these for the purposes of our conversation. So the main four that I want to talk about are friendly love. And you hear that as philia as in, you know, like Philadelphia. So that's love between close friends, mm-hmm. brothers, sisters, um, not brother, sister, family, but you know, your fraternity or your sorority. Yeah. Like your brother, man. Um, yeah. Um, and there's something you said in there about how you can be self-isolating. And I thought that's really, that's pretty wise if you dude, because Aristotle made that same connection when he was thinking about friendly types of love. Um, and I have these two quotes and I wish I had a, a good lavish narration voice. I'll do my best. <laughs> It is said that the blessedly happy and self-sufficient people have no need of friends for they already have all the goods and hence being self-sufficient need nothing added, but the solitary person's life is hard since it is not easy for him to be continuously active all by himself, but in relation to others and in their company, it is easier. So when we have love between friends, our self-sacrifice only goes so far and we become close with one another because of things that we have in common. We have an overlap of goals and, you know, things that are in our life. So in your friendships, it, it's not that it doesn't mean anything, but we all know that it's not the same as, you know, your family or your spouse or anything. It's just that there's only so much sacrifice that you're going to make. And and I should mention here that my personal uh, like take on all this too, is that, to truly measure love, you measure it in sacrifice. How much are you willing to, to mm. sacrifice? Are, are you willing to give up, you know, a little bit of gas and, and time so that you can take a friend to the airport? Are you willing to have them stay at your house? Are you willing to, you know, uh, it, this is a little bit abstract, but you guys do a podcast week in and week out and it's like 99% friendship love driven in my mind. Yep. And, and you talk about it all the time that the value that you're receiving, the sats are nice and they definitely help and, and they're, they're kind of necessary, but mm-hmm. your real value is that you're putting this love out there so you can receive love. 
I agree. I, I think it's just another piece of the puzzle. I don't think it's like more than or less than. Uh, sure. It's just, okay. it's just yet another thing. Like the gas could be sats, could be dollars on the PayPal, could be uh, a, a, a place to crash in a meal while we're traveling. Like all of it turns into value and you're absolutely right. Like that's, that's the love. That's why people want to even engage with value for value at all. Cause they've, gotten some sort of love out of it and they want to put love back in. Yeah. And, and you've been talking unless, I mean, it could just be me looking for it, but it seems to me like you specifically have been talking more and more about value for value, excuse me, as a mindset. Yeah. Because in a, in a way, again, I really feel like again, like with the social media stuff and you disable Facebook and all of a sudden you, you've break broken some sort of cardinal sin. Mm-hmm. Where you're not allowed to love and be loved anymore, right? You're you're unscannable. It's it's almost like everyone else still in that system sees you as like, oh, they're doing that because they don't care about us or they think they're better than yeah. us or yeah. you know, it's you don't want to share memes with us. What the fuck? It's like they have a hatred they want to project onto you and say, all right, well that they're not here because they're a hater, and so like, let's talk about how much they hate us. Yeah. While they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, the next form of love, there's four of these and we're going to do two now. Okay. By the way, uh, uh yeah. Caller or, uh, listeners, if you are triggered by Tunta's use of the Greek to break down love, you can always call and yell at him at 816-607-3663. That's, uh, 816-607-DOOF. <laughs> give, give me your value. Fill me with your hatred. Mm-hmm. Doof it up. Uh, okay, so the the second form of love that I would like to talk about is eros. That's the romantic love, and so that's beauty, attraction. That's where you get the visuals of Cupid and the arrows and stuff. And um, I'm gonna gonna call out Mary Kate Ultra here because she has this like persona about her where like the way that she talks and that her like jingly sing songy way. I think that she has. Her visual is like, it's like she speaks Cupid arrows into words. Does that make sense? <laughs> I can totally Definitely. see that. <laughs> She's got that. Like, and I, anyways, that, I guess that's a weird sidebar. But the thing about arrows, even though that's where we get the term eroticism, mm-hmm. is this is also the type of love that Plato uh, gave his name to when we say platonic love. That's a form of eros because it, it doesn't have to be necessarily sexual uh, you just become infatuated with the qualities of this person and those qualities are what you find beautiful and that's what makes it eros and um yeah i think a lot of people today are confused i know that when i was going through puberty and coming of age i was confused and i know that i continue to confuse other dudes because i can be really um like giving sometimes <laughs> like mm. Um, like just because I suck your ween doesn't mean that's right, man. That I'm, I'm gay. Fucking, I ain't no fucking for queer. you, right? It just means I'm filled with eros, man. Platonically, that's right. That's right. This I, is I get it. I can understand that. Yeah. No. Yeah. But seriously, it's like um, I tend to form really tight bonds and connections with people. Sure. Like that's just my my style, and I think that people get confused and especially, you know, in this day and age, there's so much confusion about what love is and we're all looking for love. And when just because you get really, really close with somebody 
you feel you know that it's more than friendship and we're so confused that we're like oh shit am i gay just because i real i love another man it doesn't mean you're gay dude it means that you have a good friend it's still love yeah uh and so one of the important differences between the friendly form of love and the romantic form of love we talked about how with a friendly love it only goes so far we're our love is is there because of these commonalities that we have and once you get to a romantic form of love, we, we, we associate that romance with it's this kind of a fiery thing. It's, it tends to rage and burn. So this is where our sacrifice, can, it can be all-consuming. You might be willing to make sacrifices for another person in a relationship that they're not willing to make for you. But what's beautiful is when you have a romance with somebody, and again, that could be platonic. It doesn't, I don't necessarily mean in a sexual sense, but when you have a romance with somebody and you have balance in terms of the sacrifices you're willing to make for each other, mm. when, when you're both engaged and you know that that other person is willing to carry your burden just the way that you are for them. That's where it starts to get really intense and where love starts to fulfill some more of its potential. Totally. So yeah, I would like, go ahead. I, I just, I feel like I've had a lot of uh, thoughts and conversations with Lorian over the years about that exact same thing and being like aligned in love. Uh, not even just romantically and sexually, which is always nice, but I think that's also the yeah. easier part. I think that's the part that yeah. just kind of happens chemically with humans, especially yeah. with new humans that you've not like grown tired of, that haven't betrayed you yet, that haven't let you down yet. Haven't shown you their weaknesses yet, still have the mask yeah. on. <laughs> but Yeah, well, and you may not know their burden. Correct. Exactly. That yeah. you're going to have to carry. But uh, oh, the 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 ultimate goal with especially with like long-term partnerships, like the person you're going to marry and say, all right, you and I are tethered for life now. It's gotta be like, we're just always astounded at how rare it seems that people are aligned on that level in uh, a strategy, like a strategic love way, like in a, almost in a war type way, you know, like in a, in a uh, sacrificial, okay, like we're going to come up against obstacles in life and we've got to be on the same team, you know? I'm not going to try and go and get something for myself and try to have you not find out about it, whether it's anything. Like, I'm talking not just like base level cheating on people, but like uh, if I'm sneaking off to the casino and gambling money, you know, or if um, if I'm like doing something for me and I'm hiding it, from my partner, right? It's just like so insanely out of line. Uh, and we hear all the time different comments or see posts about like, oh yeah, you know, my, my spouse would never get it. My spouse would never understand this yeah. part or this world that I'm in. And it's just so foreign to me. I'm like, like that's something we worked on early on. And that's kind of why it like worked out, you know? Uh, if, if, it, if I didn't find that, in a certain time frame, you know, like less than a year for sure, 
I would have been, you know, not returning calls and moving on to some, like looking for other people, you know? Yeah. I think that it's also, it's just very easy uh, as you, there are so many distractions that we come across with work and even just hobbies. We let these other things into our life and it chips away at our relationships. And I, and I know that, I mean, can't, or mousy bear <laughs> and I, we've been married for 14 years and mm. it, that's long enough that we've had these phases where we've had other things come and go in our lives, be it, you know, clubs through college or I, mean, I was a Freemason at one point and um, it really bothered her that I had this secret life that she couldn't be a part of mm. like permanently forever. And I, as part of being raised as a master Mason, you know, I literally took a vow to not tell her these things. And that's, that was the biggest reason why I dropped out of Freemasonry is because it ultimately just didn't feel right to me that I had this thing that was supposed to be a really big, important part of my life. And I, I wasn't aligned with my wife because of it. Yes. Yeah. And you know, another like kind of good point about that too is you always watch these documentaries. I just watched one about Bret Hart, Make Heroism, if you're li- listening, not Wrestling With Shadows, it was newer. <laughs> but it was another one of those documentaries where there's some guy that did some great thing, and he's very notable. But then when the kids talk, they're like, yeah, dad really loved wrestling. He was on the road a lot. Mm. You know, like the kids didn't actually feel that. So yeah, he he accomplished a great thing. But he made a sacrifice because he wasn't of his children in, in that relationship with his children because he wasn't aligned in this case with the love with his children, you know? Totally. Well, I think that uh, the, the big end goal and <clears throat> what marriage represents is like the two become one, you know, all of a sudden we're committed. We make this promise. Now we are one. And you make, like, uh, it's a common trope, the uh, high school couple who you just say their name together, like, Brad and Stacy is all one word, you know, because they're just, like, one couple. They're always together. They're, like, one Angelina. But that's really the ultimate goal of love is to be, find someone who you uh, intermesh with, like, you become one greater entity. You are together, something you can never each be by yourself. And that's why things like, you know, if somebody says something to me in confidence or somebody says something to Lorian in confidence and they say, don't tell anybody, uh, that's always respected with the exception of either of us, right? Because we are (laughs) the same person. Uh, And so, you know, in a spiritual legal sense, like I will keep anybody's confidence, uh, but I'm going to tell Lorian because she's me too. And in the same way, like, I've never had these temptation moments that I would do anything that she would have a problem with or that she wouldn't be able to handle because she's with me. She is part of me. And so when I'm out by myself, I still have her, like, in my heart as part of me. Yeah. I never feel like, you know, oh, like, I'm going to, so Lorian's not here so I can do this. Freedom. It's, As your dad would say. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Go, taking you to Boy Scout stuff. There's no, uh, there's no behavior checklist 
that changes when I leave the room Lorian's in. Because she never leaves the room I'm in, in a spiritual sense. That's really sweet. <laughs> I just, I just feel like this should be basic, though. Like, I don't like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, well, definitely finding an ally, not someone to fight with all the time. An, an ally, somebody who, at the very least, will not get in your way of in battles. You know, like I don't need to battle my ally just to get to the battlefield. Well, th- okay, so that's where you are now, and so there's got to be people listening that are not in like a super stable marriage like you are. And what I want to know is what about those early phases? I know that you like, I know that Lorian was hot for your cock, like mm-hmm. pretty much from the get go. Sure. Good for you. So happy. It happens once in a lifetime in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you needed. And, but you know, one of the great advantages when you're young and you have love is how quickly it can happen. Like, a baby feeling skin contact with a mother it's there's a con there's an instant imprint and then as a teenager you fall madly in love with your crushes Mm -hmm. but you know you guys were still young enough that you know i i think it was pretty quick like do you think it's fair to say that you instantly went from friendship to romance like there's very little happening in the transition between that philia form of love and the eros form of love. Yes. Definitely. Well, I also don't really think like men and women can be, God, she's still so hot for you. Can be. F- <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Nice. Um, I, I don't really think that men and women can be bros like that, you know, like just bros. Um, and the, there might be exceptions that prove the rule, but like there's always uh, some sort of a additional driver, right? Or there's some sort of a, a thing as men, we, we're always thinking like, uh, you know, if, if we're not partnered up, we're looking for that partner to partner up. It's just part of our biological drive. And so it's really difficult to go uh, beyond the, like the friendscape and, and just, um, not be looking for the next steps to, you know, that Eros love. I have always agreed with you, but let me tell you, when you hit 35, it does become easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's certain dad energy too, you know, like, <clears throat> and that's yeah. why I say like, this is a natural order too. A lot of people find themselves off of the natural, regular thing that's supposed to happen for one reason or another. And maybe f- through faults of their own, maybe not maybe just yeah. through circumstances that life dealt them. And so I'm not trying to say there's like a one size fits all situation and everybody's got to follow this one path. Cause that's absurd. Uh, but you know, the, the general path should be that while we're young, we're out there, you know, we get our independence from our uh, familial upbringing. We go out into the world and make something of ourselves on our own. Like what you're talking about the self-reliance and the self-sustaining things that we talked about last time. And then you've got to do that step before you can partner up and become something more than one person. So the two can't become one. If one of the two is still at 0.75, you know, if you're still not quite okay with yourself. And this is what I discovered in my like 
journey of trying to find love. My first serious girlfriend in college, I just kind of clung on that to that relationship, even though it wasn't really matching up uh, in this arrow situation, even though we were not strategically aligned. And I would have to sacrifice like social uh, decisions just so that she wouldn't be mad at me or upset or whatever, you know? And when you're inside that first relationship, you just think, well, you know, I've got somebody who will put up with me or I've got somebody who loves me. Or it might even be as simple as I got somebody who will actually agree to fuck me, you know? Like, without much, without knowing outside of that, you're just like, well, this is what I've got and i got to make the best of it. And so... What you're saying... I'm sorry. What you're saying now, how much of that is you looking back at it retrospectively oh, and all of piecing it. together? The, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, so you, you're making it. sense of what happened. Correct, yeah. I think that's the only real way you can make sense of of your life journey is like looking back because where you're, where you're at makes sense in context of where you've come from. But then where you're going is a totally unknown. Like, I don't know where I will be next year. A hundred percent. I have a pretty good idea. I don't think anything too radical will change, but you don't really know for sure. Yeah. The only way you can make sense of something is by comparing it to something else. So you can do yeah. that with your past because you have a past and a present to compare. Right. And you can make sense of both of them. You can't, it's awfully fucking hard to do that with the future because you got this basket full of guesses about the future that you can compare to the present and past, but you don't know. Correct. And, and that's where I was stuck back then. I was in this mindset of, well, I've got this and it's working and I don't want to lose it because then I will be lonely again. And I spent ever since puberty also kind of looking for like, who will be the girl for me? You know, who will be the girl who's my girl and uh, who will love me? And I never got that first spot of being okay with myself, of being fully just one person and being all right. I always had this kind of like, nervous anxiety of I really need a partner. Like I got to go get a girlfriend. And, uh, you know, obviously that energy drives a lot of girls away, but (laughs) so it makes it more difficult, but it really wasn't until I was fully like, you know, I'd gotten hurt by a few more girls between being dumped by the serious girl, uh, to where I was just like, you know what? I need to be all right with myself. I need to just be content with setting my own situation up and, uh, you know, establishing friendships, being there for my friends and counting myself among them as one of my friends, like caring for myself. Like I care for my roommates at the time and being somebody that I would want to help. You know, I never really was a person who I wanted to help. I never wanted to help myself. Because it was all external. I was always looking around at other people, you know, for for fulfillment. And it wasn't until I was, like, finally all right with myself that Lorian just, like, burst into my life. Uh, Lorian, at that time, did you sense any of that, what Spence called, like, anxiety on him? No. Like, no. What no, did he you was sen- really... What did you sniff she, on him? She never knew that version of me he was one of the strongest presences in any room i had been in he was really a, a cool guy <laughs> for lack of better terms um and i could tell that i was kind of pushing him away with my like 
oh, dude, you are totally the one. And uh, I remember one time you were like, you got to give me a chance to miss you. You know, like oh. I'm going to spend a weekend <laughs> away. And I was like, all right. I hope that you come back. This has been swell. And uh, luckily for me, he did miss me while he was gone. But, yeah, it was... uh, Yeah, that was... I did not know week spent, that's for sure. For me, it was very tough because that first day we spent together, you know, it was in Joplin. And then we had the long drive back. And then we just, like, made fiery love. And then you were, like... I was there. You were, like, I'm devastated because you're just gonna leave tomorrow and never call me basically and i was just like like for me i was already like trying to be guarded because i was like you know this is fucking danger zone i've been down this road before and i don't want to rush headlong into something get all committed and then it just falls into shit again and i'm you know picking up more pieces like i've done that too many times i just want to be guarded but when, you know, when you did that, I was like, look, I'm not that kind of a person. Like, you know, I, you and I are now talking. It's cool. Like, I'm not going to just ghost you and ignore you. Yeah, you were so confident. I thought you were a player. You know, I was <laughs> like, damn, I fell for a, a trap here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. I'm no. in a shaggy song. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, hey, I'll walk 5,000 miles for that cock, so uh, (laughs) we'll see if you'll walk 5,000 miles for these tits. (laughs) It was. It was the first weekend where uh, my buddy from Massachusetts, funny enough, also from Massachusetts, he he was in Columbia, and then we went together, him and I, to Kansas City, just to kind of a bro's weekend. Uh, And we hung out with my family a bit, and we hung out uh, with some other friends from my hometown a bit, and I was just kind of like... I was, I was, I always have tried to be a hundred percent honest and candid with you about, um, what I'm feeling and thinking, you know, I don't want to, uh, because that had burned me before in the past too, with, with my relationships, I'd be like, well, you know, I don't want to look like I'm too interested because I might spook or spook her away or whatever. Yeah. That's happened to me. This stupid fucking game where you're like on a tight rope of not wanting to look desperate or. Exactly. Uh, and so with Lorian, I just tried this thing called like radical honesty, Mm -hmm. which isn't the easiest path because it's, it makes you vulnerable. It's also sets you up for potential turmoil. You know, you might actually drive them away because they aren't looking for that, but that honesty lets you know, right up front, you know, you're not Mm -hmm. wasting time lying or obscuring your true feelings because you know that the truth is going to ruin things. Like you might as well just ruin things yep. right up front. Yeah. It, yeah. A, you have to. A big one for me was, do you want children? Because I want children, <laughs> which is a, it has been what? a weird conversation in the past in my previous dates. Yeah. Uh, that's real. Any relationship that you enter into, the first thing that happens is you make an implicit agreement that you're going to carry some of the baggage that that other person has. Yep. And if you're not honest about it, you know, like all the the thing tropes about like, you know, trying to hold in your farts and stuff like that. (laughs) Right. You know, like, Oh, I don't fart. I'm not a farter. It's just not something I do. (laughs) It's fucking bullshit. And you know, some of it, I understand there's gotta be some sort of game to it. That's normal. Yeah. 
You don't want to be farting right away. Yeah, no. <laughs> no matter who. That's a second I mean, date. You I'm would, a second date. You wouldn't even do that with your bros, you know? You wouldn't even do that with your bros. It's probably just like, oh, yeah, nice to meet you. My name is Spencer. <laughs> like, fucking stink the whole room up, you know? Like, I just want to get this out right away. I am a farter. Like, Listen, I had some fucking kimchi earlier. I'm going to let you taste it right here. Here we go. No. no I'm lactose intolerant and I can't quite give up the cheese. So <laughs> this is just part of me. Yeah. That weekend trip for me was a huge relief because Lorian let me do that in an honest way. She didn't blow up my phone the whole time I was gone. You know, she wasn't like oh, pestering no. me. She let me have a great time with all my friends. And when I got back, uh, I met her on this corner. I pulled up on my motorcycle, and she was there in this fucking Damn. leather jacket and these knee-high leather boots looking to the tens, and I was just like, holy fucking shit. Damn. I did miss you. Like, I'm so <laughs> glad to see you. You look like... I suddenly remembered how much I've missed you. I, like, turn around, look at the back, empty back seat of my motorcycle. I look at Lori, and I'm like, she belongs right the fuck here. This is so perfect. It was, like, the biggest relief ever. Because I had the same reaction that all my roommates had. Like, the first time I brought Lorian over to my apartment everybody in the friend circle was like, oh shit, here we go again. Like yeah. Spencer is going to fucking turn to pieces within the next three weeks. And it got rough, man. Like I fucking, uh, I went to the hospital over one chick because ah, it was, uh, it was a situation where I really liked this girl. She was a very talented illustrator. Uh, there were very cool things about her that were interesting. She was a, uh, Japophile to the max. Yeah, I had a girl about? crush on her for what it's worth. We worked together. <laughs> she, she worked with Lauren at the head shop. Uh, uh, there was just a lot that was cool about her, but she had this one hang up with uh, an ex of hers she never got over, who was also like a really tight friend in our friend group. So I don't know. It, it started out just fine. And that was one of the girls where I was like, well, you know, I can't really show that I'm like too into it. And it was Valentine's day, you know, Valentine's day was the period where we were starting to date. And so I'm also a hopeless romantic. I'm not just going to skip Valentine's day and I'm not going to say nothing. You know me, like I can try to like blunt the edges or, you know, hold myself back from being, my, being my turbo Spencer. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that may be surprising, but there's, there's more anything, anything you've me seen, too, man. anything you've me seen too. from me, man, I promise you there's fucking way more where that came from. <laughs> me too. But it's tempered because I have a responsibility, right. To keep myself somewhat tempered, but I also can't just turn it off completely because I'm too committed to authenticity to just completely shut it off. So I was like, I even, I asked all her closest friends. I was like, look, it's Valentine's day. I'm not going to fucking do nothing. I'm not going to do card and chocolates. I'm not going to sing a song and be schmoozy. I just want to do something real fucking simple that says, Hey, you know, I appreciate our time together. I want to get to know you more. Let's, you know. Uh, and so what I did was I just fucking made baked chicken breasts where you just put two chicken tits in a fucking Ziploc bag with some Italian dressing right in the fridge. And then you throw that shit in the oven for however long, 40 minutes or whatever, and you pull it out and you eat the chicken tits. 
easy, simple, stupid, like fucking bachelor food. Right? It wasn't like a fucking candlelit dinner or anything. I intentionally said, look, this is going to be low key, but I'm going to cook you some food and feed you. You know? And it was too much. Like, it was all, just that little thing was too much. And the girl? She, yeah. Like, we had a good night, but then the next day she was like, look, I think you're trying to make this into something more serious, and I'm just not looking for anything serious right now. Which I knew, which is why I was trying to go to all this extent to, like, turn it down, because I knew all of this intuitively, uh, but I didn't want it to be true, right? Because I, I wanted what I wanted. And so that upset me. But then uh, the very next night, we were all hanging out, as we did, because my apartment was kind of like a party spot. And she's, spring, she's got, like, some other dude on her arm the next day, which fucked me up. But I was hammered, and I went to sleep. And the next morning, I'm in the shower just thinking about it just too much, and it's just fucking with me. And I'm just, like, so irritated. I'm like, God damn it, I got I let it happen again. I knew this was going to happen. I set my, I was trying to protect myself, and it didn't work out. And I just frustratedly uh, punched my fist. We had a window in the shower. And I just was like, ah, you know, it wasn't even really like a, I'm trying to put my arm through this fucking pane of glass. It was just a frustrated punch. But I punched the fucking one pane of a two pane glass window open and just sliced the shit out of my knuckles. And I had to fucking go get stitches over it. And, you know, then I'm just, like, toxic for a while. It's like, you know, everyone's, like, around me, like, there for me, but not really talking to me at the same time. You know, they're like, oh, you know, Spencer got some fucking issues. Yeah, because now you've got a lot of baggage, and they're not ready to fucking handle that for you. Like, (laughs) my buddy took me to the hospital, you know, and then that was, like, his sacrifice for his love for me, you know. Yeah. Which I appreciated. Yeah, and counts for a fucking lot, because the truth is, is that he couldn't, it wouldn't be right for him to carry that kind of type of baggage for you anyways. That was figure that shit out. That was my big wake up. That was when well, it, it there's something kind of nice and relaxing about coming fully back to being the guy that freaked out. Uh dude, I shit you not. I walked out of the campus hospital. Um <laughs> uh, I was I, all I had done was thrown on my bathrobe that I had stolen from Cupertino Inn when I had training at Apple. <laughs> so I got this white bathrobe with blood all over it and nothing else on. I didn't throw <laughs> anything else on. I'm only wearing a white bathrobe uh, and some fucking slippers, I think. And I've got my hand all stitched up. My hair's all fucked up. And I just, I just walked home because I lived on the other side of campus. My apartment was on the other side of campus. So I just walked through the center of campus in a bloody bathrobe with my fucking hand stitched up everybody's just going to both sides of the sidewalk just getting out of my way like not looking at my eyes not making eye contact and i just had a fucking leisurely stroll and had time to think about everything and it was that walk back where i was just like you know i've got to be all right with me and i can't i can't have something like this be devastating to me like She's the one who lost in the in the transaction there, not me. So why am I the loser in this situation? Like I made myself the loser and I can't do that again. And that was when I started just being like, you know, I've got to be content on my own as a person, as a whole person. I can't have this empty space inside me that some is somebody else's job to fill. I do need a partner eventually, but that partner needs to have a whole person, not a person with a whole. 
Although I do have a hole, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, so the, that's all very interesting for me to listen to because I relate to that. I think most men can relate to that, like trying to figure out where you tune that dial in for your willingness to love. Because if it's too much, uh, you know, that's a repulse of the women, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, as I was coming of age, for one, one thing that was unique to me was I got a lot of really inappropriate attention from middle-aged women, like the moms of friends and stuff. And uh, I don't want to really uh, go into too much detail on this forum right now. Uh, but I think I'm really just now starting to realize that, you know, that wasn't like nice. That was dude, that was fucking weird. Cause it really fucked up my perception of where to tune my dial in in my relationships because I was getting all this attention from middle-aged women who had, you know, 20 years to play this game of back and forth. And I was not equipped to deal with it, Mm -hmm. but similar to you, what I had was that feeling of getting burnt because, you know, I'm already planning, you know, the wedding and the rest of her lives and how I'm going to buy a house for, because in my head I've built up, you know, how perfect everything is about this, this girl and she's not there. And it's a crazy thought anyways. Um, but what I did is I went way overboard. So I, uh, I guess the easiest way to say it is I became a man whore (laughs) and I was just like, I guess I don't love, I guess I'm incapable of love in my way of proving to myself that I was a man and my masculinity to myself was through sexual conquest. And I just thought that as long as I came out victorious sexually, mm-hmm. that was as, as good as a, a love that I could hope for. And that's why. Okay. So th- I'll back up from here. You guys met in college, but Mousy bear and I are different because we met online when we were 12 and 13. So for us, we, we did have like a forced period of friendship. We couldn't really, well, I don't know. Would you say that we were romantically involved pretty much right away? I never considered you a friend. I always considered you as more than a friend, Mm -hmm. a soulmate, if you will. Uh, I mean, when I was young, I probably wouldn't have called you my soulmate. You were just just like my, my special friend, your special someone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, because we were talking on the internet, there was, you know, there wasn't any of that noise of social anxiety of, you know, like, Oh, well, what does he think of my hair? Whatever. Maybe he doesn't (laughs) like brunettes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All that, you know, teenage girl insecurities and stuff, there wasn't any of that because it was, you know, just... It was the radical honesty that Spence was talking about. Right, right. Um, But then also another thing that made our relationship um, special was that uh, it was kind of a a hidden friendship because at the time, um, internet relationships were kind of at... They were taboo, especially for children to be sneaking into chat rooms and stuff. Sure. So it was it was my little secret that nobody else, nobody in my life knew about, and he was my special friend. We were always 
to me more than friends. Mm. Yeah. So, and so for us, I, I think that we also share with you that radical honesty and uh, I didn't think about this coming into our conversation, but you know, maybe that is a really important part of love is that you have to be honest because I, I, I think it's crucial. And I think that it's probably if, if all couples could do just one thing to change like long-term outcomes, it would be to start as soon as possible. If you're already like into that road, you got to start as soon as possible with the radical honesty stuff and you got to get, you know, there quickly. And it's tough too, because you can't just unload and, uh, you know, be a punching bag either. You can't turn the other person into a punching bag of all of your problems because right. that would go past the whole one, right? Like there are certain problems. There are certain uh, mental health struggles. There are certain things that just are my peeves alone. There are certain things that are my cross to bear for sure. And that's part of being a whole person first. Once you can deal with your own issues and flaws and insecurities, then you're ready to be radically honest. And sometimes there's a problem and it's like, you know, uh, I'm dealing with something mentally or, you know, I had a dream last night and it like took me to a dark place and I don't need to tell you everything that happened in my dream last night because that's my cross to bear, but it's, uh, was wait, Am I supposed to take the hint? Should I stop telling everybody no. in the IRC about my dreams? No, no. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's there's certain uh, things that really are your burden, and once you take care of what's yours, um, basically there's a there's a line between honesty and overshare, right? Like I can be honest and not have to hide things without telling you stuff that then becomes your burden that you don't know. Like, oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, un, it's, a uh, uh, it's not your problem, but I make it your problem because I dump it on your lap, right? Like my personal traumas and burdens. Now there's some stuff that we just need help with from other people. It's like overwhelming. It's too much. We do need a hand and that's where honesty comes into play. Oh, I'll never tell him about X because uh, he won't look at me the same way again or, uh, yeah, but how, how weird would it be if you never told your friends about your, your marijuana consumption? <laughs> <laughs> like, Just like, no, and, and, and that's a difference because it's not like a burden. Somebody may look at that as a burden. Sure. It, it may be a crutch. Oh, it's gotta sure. be kicked out from under you. Yeah. <laughs> But it's a it's it's honesty because it's just a part of your life and it's a part of of your lifestyle. It's not something that you necessarily need help with, but it's also not. It would just be dishonest for you to hide that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, so with all this stuff, I want to know. Honesty is one thing, mm -hmm. and what you think that you're going to do for somebody. And I think most people have had the experience of either being told or telling somebody, oh, yeah, I would take a bullet for you <laughs> or whatever. Sure. But in your guys' marriage, I would like to know, when did you know that – so, Spencer, when did you know that Lauren was somebody who really could take, take on your burdens comp with competence and willingness and that she was going to go the distance – for you and, and same to you, Lori. And when did you f feel confident that 
Spencer was somebody who was going to be there for you like that? Was there a moment? I can answer. For me, um, there was a moment in our relationship, probably, I don't know, three to five years in. Dates are fuzzy. Uh, Mm. But I ran away. I went back to Massachusetts. I thought, maybe I fucked up moving out to Missouri. Maybe everything is wrong. Maybe I'm in the wrong place. And actually, even sooner than that, I was down in Oklahoma with my grandmother. It was Mother's Day weekend. And I found out that I had been adopted at birth and that my biological mom was the person I thought was my sister my whole life, my older sister, who had died when I was 14. And I texted Spence. And it's funny because one of the first nights we spent together... I said just offhandedly, I always felt like I was adopted. And so in my text, I'm like, you remember how I said I felt like I was adopted? And I filled him in. And he said, where are you? I will come and get you right now. Like, I will go and get my parents' van. I will come and get you. And I just knew. I was like, no, I'm good. Like, I don't need you to come and get me. But I really, really appreciate that because that's what I need sometimes, you know? And so in that other instance, I ran back to Massachusetts. My family had been getting at me, just guilt tripping me. When are you coming back? When are you coming back? And so I thought, well, I'll try it. Like, I'll just go there for a week and see if this is where I'm supposed to be. And Spence was like, I'm going to come out there and get you and drag you back here because you know you're fucking up. And he was totally right. But I had to figure it out myself by wasting a bunch of money on a plane ticket. (laughs) Yeah, well, and so there you go. So that's the sacrifice that he made, you know, like putting up with, basically putting up with your bullshit. Yep. And being able, I mean, uh, I don't know how many times you get to do that. (laughs) And, you know, you hope that you don't find out what that number is. Right. Yeah, you got to learn. Yeah. (laughs) Not repeat the same mistake over and over again, that's for sure. Uh, Spence, was there a moment for you? I don't know. It's a really hard question. I've been sitting here searching because when when we first met, I was young and you were very young. Mm-hmm. Like, and but it wasn't the twelve and thirteen. Nope. Uh, I was I was twenty one and she was seventeen. So you that's know, I, still so young. That's so tender though. In, in, still, in terms yeah. of like maturity and and world experience, you know, I had I had had a few world experiences, but not many. Right. And she had had effectively none and was just starting them by getting out of the house, you know. Um, so it took a while and we both went through a lot of growth and maturity. You know, we both had a lot of growing to do. So I don't know. I think that in terms of just being fully ultimately confident in uh, being bigger than just uh, any one of us, though, was was seeing you give birth to our first kid. That was when it was like... I was wondering. Yeah. That was when it was like, rose to the level of impressive, you know? Rose to the level of like, there we go. There's there's some incredible shit that I never could have done. Like, I don't... Yeah, you know? it doesn't get much crazier than that. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, a, it's a pretty good trump card that women have to play. Like, oh, yeah? <laughs> and... 
watch this. I know, I've always. Pew, pew. <laughs> I've always loved and respected Lorian, and uh, I've always been into her and thought that you know she compliments me in, in so many ways that no one else ever has. Uh, yeah. But it was like, like when, when she had this radical break and went to Massachusetts, like we, we were pretty much severed. Yeah. Uh, spiritually and romantically severed, you know? And, uh, I ended up moving to Kansas city without her. Yep. And, did have that time where I was just my own man and there wasn't any expectation of like, you know, we're going to be a thing anymore. Uh, we never really said, yo, we break up or whatever. Like it was never a formal thing, but it was kind of like, you know, we were apart. We were apart and it was, it was what had happened was just so fucking devastating spiritually and romantically that it was just kind of like, the ash heap, you know, and I had to, I had to stand up from that and walk out into the world as again, the one, the one person, right? We were no longer two. And I walked around and I was like, you know, this is, this could this be all, bullshit. Well, I was, I just, I just tried to be objective this time. You know, I yeah. was, mm-hmm. I was very far removed from the guy that had punched his bathroom window out and had to get stitches very far removed from all that. And I was like objectively looking around like, well, you know, what could I do tonight? I could go out to the bar. I could go dancing. I could go, uh, you know, see if a honey wants to smoke. Like I get, uh, I'm thinking of all these things and I'm just kind of weighing them. Like I had to go to work, you know, so I'm at work and, um, objectively, like, I'm like, I'm okay with myself. What do I want to do? And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, I want to go back to Lorian and convince her that she fucked up and she should be my <laughs> wife. And she, like, we should make this thing forever. You know, like I was like, honestly, that's what I want. PowerPoint. F- full selfish. Slide after slide. Like, <laughs> if I'm trying to be full selfish mode me, I still want that. And that's like the biggest, uh, that was like the first time where I really knew like, no, now it's my turn to go get her. Cause like, that's what she did in the first sort of phase of our relationship was like, she came and made it happen. She made us happen. And then after that whole like falling out and crumbling, I was like, I was like, you know, I, I shouldn't want this. And everyone tells me, you know, Oh, you know, she's, she's going to fail again. She's just, like not into you. She's, and I'm like, no, you know, she just had her priorities wrong and she made false assumptions about other people in her old life that weren't true. And all those things she thought about these other people are really true about me. And I also like everything about her, you know, like she has, uh, betrayed us in, in this moment, but that's a fuck up, you know? And it's yeah. a misunderstanding, and it's not based in actual reality. Like, the whole problem is is, a, is this break from reality that happened. And still young, too. I mean, how old? Yeah. I mean, that you shouldn't Shit, you have been were probably born, like, 21 22. at that time. 20 to, yeah, 21, I would guess. Yeah. That's still and so young. I remember calling you crying, and I was just like, <laughs> I want to come home. Like, I realized with you is home. Like, and I want to come back. It's very sweet. <laughs> And yeah, that was a fucking, that was the hardest part of my whole entire life. Uh, because it was, it there was more than just that. There was also uh, 
bullshit that went down in the legalization sphere that that was when we stopped doing bowl after bowl for a number of years. Like everything just crumbled Ah. to pieces all over the place. And it was more than just one single factor. Um, But it was just like a bunch of, it was like, it was like the tower card had been drawn and just everything crumbled to dust. And you're left with not your surroundings and not the home that you've built and not this environment you've curated for yourself. You're left with just you and you've got to figure out, okay, who are you really without all of that bullshit around you that you built? And what are you going to do about it? And how are you going to go about rebuilding? Because you can start completely over. You can find somebody else. You can go back to square one. You can keep, you know, uh, drawing cards and you can keep meeting people. And I'm like, you know, what we had and what we knew about one another and the, uh, I don't know, just like the emotional and spiritual intelligence that we discovered in one another. Like I've, I, I've know, never this, found that. This is a big moment for you too, man. Cause the fact that you call that the tower card moment, the tower card, another interpretation of it is that when the tower collapses, it's also the new beginning. So it, there's a, a case for optimism. And I, I would bet you that without that experience and without you going through that, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to restart as your mature, more fully formed self like this is a, a point where you were both tested. This is the yeah, part where yeah. you're both tested and you came back and said, you know what? The sacrifice is worth it. This, this, there is no other reality. This is, this is where I want to build from here on out. Mm-hmm. So even though maybe Lorian fucking etch a sketch, shook it all up, it, you guys have it clearly, it was right because well, yeah. you spent the whole proceeding 10-ish years or so getting to where you are. And that's the thing, too, about it is it wasn't like she just did it on her own in a vacuum. Like, things had been stagnant. Nothing was – there wasn't any growth. It was just, like, kind of the same old thing. It was, like, uh, the college town trap post-graduation. What are you going to do? Like, she had graduated, so there wasn't really a carrot to chase anymore for her. And I wasn't providing any kind of – further steps in the mission myself, you know? And so I had to also kind of come to terms with that. It's like, all right, well, are you just going to serve drinks at a bar for the rest of your life in this college town? Or like, is there, is there some kind of higher calling? And it it wasn't, it it, wasn't that long after that. It gave you an opportunity to step up though and prove yourself again. Yeah, exactly. We had to rebuild the tower on better, on better land and better foundation with like a, a longer term future in mind. Well, I was going to say the foundation was very strong and that's how we could come back together and just pick up and Uh, actually build. It's like, look at this foundation. We're not going to leave this behind. This is perfect. (laughs) It's also why, even though what happened happened, like you were never venomous to me. You know what I mean? Like you never like did anything. None of your actions that you did were just to cause me pain. Your actions did cause me pain, but you were over there trying to find something, Mm -hmm. you know, that you had lost and you were trying to figure things out for yourself. And I was like able to see that. And that's another big thing that made it all right. Like most people cannot go past something like that. Yeah. And most people, once they cross that line, they just like pile on and they're going to say, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to key your car. I'm going to throw all your shit on the lawn. I'm going to. Yeah. Know. And I fucking hate those songs too. 
it's bad I because it's the key. It's that's a culture it. thing. It's a yeah, culture it's, thing. We're like, taught that's not to, be, the way to be. We're taught to be really spoiled, vindictive children, instead of being uh, a little bit of walking on a higher plane, like as God's children. You know, we're we're just like little dumb, uh, selfish children. Like it's got to be me or get out. You know, and that's what most couples are paired up with. They are both on opposite sides of like yeah. I got to get as much for me as possible, and so like. You know, they want all this shit for them, but like, I want it for me. And so it's this tug of war when really you can never work that way. You can team up, work that way. You can team up and get for both of you way more than you would ever get in that fuck up, fucked up tug of war situation where you're just like battling for the little scraps of satisfaction. Well, going back to when I was first talking about romance and that type of love is that we know that it can be fiery and all consuming. Mm hmm. And we know that there's danger in it, and we we get locked into thinking that we can we need to throttle back our sacrifice for the other person just a little bit back from what they are, and and you play this stupid fucking game where you're, you're tabulating all of the things that you've done for one another. I mean, I, mm. and, and it's easy. Like, I mean, I know that we've done it from you know time to time. We I think we're pretty fucking good at not, but. It's so easy to do where you start thinking, well, I did this and then he didn't do that. And he spends all, you know, it's Mm -hmm. so, it it can't work that way. You have to focus on what you're going to do. If you're doing things for yourself, it's only so you can be better at giving that part. And that's the only way that love truly works anyways, but especially in romance is where it gets dangerous. Oh, absolutely. I think it comes, you got to come back to that two becoming one mentality, like a win for Lorian is my win every yep. time without yep. exception. Every time she wins, I won. And it's also a difference just in life and a general philosophy. And I, w- when I was just working on myself, I read a lot about scarcity mentality versus abundance mentality. And it's the same concept, right? It's like, if I can see somebody else win and, and share in that joy and share in that, uh, victory, then I've also won. But if I see them win and I, in my head, I say, well, that's me losing because they won. That's the reality you create. And it's, it's a fucking sad reality to win, uh, live in because you're not always the one yeah. winning, you know, like you can't be the only one winning all the time. That's fu- People will stab you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so I have a thought on this, and it's from Mary Kate Ultra. She didn't make this point, and I hope I'm not like making a contrived thought based off of what she has done in her blogging. But Mary Kate Ultra has really put in like a lot of thought, and she's writing about feminism and what it means to be a woman, trying to work all this stuff out. And through that, I thought of that famous quote from Abigail Adams about how behind every great man there's a great woman, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me how fucking perverted it is that we say that today as if to mean, Oh, well he ain't shit. It's really the women. Right. Mm. And and what it really is, is that, and I, I don't even know if this is how Abigail Adams said it, but what it means to me is that behind every great man is a great woman. She is a great woman because the great man is part of her success too. Yep. And part of his success is all the shit that she did. That wasn't easy. All of the stuff that she did so that he could come home and not have to worry about X, Y, and Z because she fucking kicked 
ass because she's managing parts of his business, part of his life, giving him little suggestions, pulling him back from the edge when he's like, ah, these fucking retards don't know how to fucking pull a carriage out of it. You know, all of that stuff. <laughs> right. And, and being, it takes so much strength too. It takes so much love and nurturing to be that like this sponge for all of the shit that, you know, a man is carrying around and it works both ways. I'm not trying to make a fucking general statement here, but that's that's how subverted our concept and lo- notion of love is. Right. That we don't even think of the fact that a husband's victory is also the a wife's victory. We so I agree. I, yeah, everything is simplified and it's binary. It's like this or that, and it can't be bigger than bigger than the one person or the other person. And like, I don't know. It's so funny because like. Uh, it's a lot of the times the collectivists get it wrong and uh, they can't imagine like a, a two person collective. <laughs> like really? Come on. Yeah, your, your I whole, know. It, your whole so thing odd. is this big collectivism thing. And then yet uh, two becoming <laughs> one and becoming a superhuman because you found your partner. Uh, and then uh, hopefully the next step rolling it in, if you know, God has blessed you is to uh, roll that into a family and then, the the right. unit starts to even get bigger. Then the two become one, become a family that the number keeps going up. And then you've got that aspect of it. C- collectivism as a, an idea is great. Collectivism as it is pursued is always bad because what it always ends up being is people who can't handle the burden of being themselves and doing for themselves, mm-hmm. trying to think up a way of getting all their needs met by everybody else. Right. Well, they never got that, to that, that step yeah, one. They never got which to is that why they don't, person. They, they can't possibly see marriage in that way. Yeah. Because they don't, they think of it as an inherently parasitic relationship because that's all they know about love. That guy's fucking right. <laughs> I, so I want to come back to, I asked you guys about like when that moment was. Yeah. And I know that for mousy bear, um, and I'd already explained, you know, some of my backstory of fucking man hoard around and I didn't have a healthy idea of how to do those things that we were just talking about. I didn't understand that either. And so Mousy Bear didn't have a ton of security or comfort early on in our relationship because, well, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but how did you feel about knowing that I had been so for lack of a better word, promiscuous high body I, count. That's what we call it nowadays. Yeah. He had a the, high, I, he had a high body yeah. count. Yeah. How did, did that make you nervous? Did that make me feel unstable to you early on in our relationship? Or did you accept that that was like in the past or no? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it didn't really make me feel anything. Um, because, uh, I knew you were, the, that you were mine and, mm-hmm. So nobody else really mattered because I knew you were mine, even if you didn't know it. Mm. <laughs> well, okay. So then when was your moment that you knew that I was willing and able to, to carry your burden? Well, actually that wasn't until um, we were actually married for two years by then. Um, we were in a really bad car accident in 2011. And, um, I don't know, should I? Yeah. 
I just posted some pictures into the IRC uh, for reference. So uh, we were rear-ended on the interstate. We were driving on the interstate, and we were rear-ended. And we rolled down an embankment. And um, I don't know. I was in the hospital for... Not long. I guess I wasn't in the hospital for very long. But um, that's probably because the hospital wasn't a good one. Mm. (laughs) Um, But I had five fractures in my vertebrae, and my sternum was broke, like, split in half. Shit. Uh, so and they didn't even notice that in the hospital, oh, yeah. by the way. Yeah, oh, they boy. didn't even <laughs> kind of overlook the fact that her sternum was completely cracked. Yeah. Seems seems fine. Yeah, and clicking, and she kept complaining about it. <laughs> yeah, we had to go back oh. and like prove that that was because of the car accident yeah. and stuff. Oh Jesus! Um, but needless to say, I was uh, pretty incapacitated and. Um, reliant on him for everything for a really long time Mm. um and so i think that that was when you know i finally felt um confident in his ability to deliver Mm -hmm. it takes that actual test and the passing of a test i think to to really be like fully confident because you always wonder. You're like, well, I wonder. I I think that mm-hmm. I think that they would be there. I think they would be rock solid. But until the shit hits the fan and that hand is there still saying, "Hey, I'm here. Mm. I've got you." Yeah, for mm-hmm. anybody looking at those pictures, that was a Jeep Cherokee. That was an SUV. <laughs> yeah. Now it looks it like a fucking surfboard with wheels. It's like flat <laughs> as a pancake. And the picture where she is smiling. Yeah. It's be. She is smiling because that was the first time that she got to see me since the accident. She was trapped. She she's underselling how fucking crazy this was. We rolled several times down a giant embankment and I don't, I'm like a fucking cat. I I've been in several bad situations. I was totally fine. Like we, we landed upside down. Yeah. (laughs) I could roll in a pile of shit and come out smelling like roses. I don't know. I don't know why. I was fine, and I go back to my military like rollover training. I'm like, okay, I got to get this undone. Yep. I kick my door open, and I'm talking to her the mm-hmm. whole time. You know, like just be calm, be calm. Yep. But eventually, when the paramedics get there, they split me up, and mm-hmm. um, I guess I was in a state of shock. You know, I'm still thinking like I'm purely task oriented. Yep. About do this, do that, and do that, and yeah. so when they show up and they tell me to do that, I'm like, okay. Yeah. But when I look back on, I realize like, oh. They thought I was going to go fucking kill that guy because he was drunk and he may have just murdered my wife. Oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> so they kept me in the ambulance and I I wasn't there to, to keep talking to her. And so the Jeep is on an embankment. She's actually trapped and her hair is underneath the Jeep and it's sliding down. Yeah. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. I was, um, it was upside down. I was trapped in there for... Um, about 50 minutes before they could get the jaws of life to um, open up the Jeep. Uh, they had to cut my hair off to get me out because, like, uh, <laughs> I mean, you can tell from the pictures that it was muddy. And yep. um, so the car was sort of like sliding down the hill with my hair under it. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> it was, yeah, she was being scalped as they yeah. were firing up the jaws of life. Well, you did everything. say it was yeah. a Jeep Cherokee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh spicy, joke, spicy joke, spicy <laughs> joke. 
That was great. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, fuck. Apologies to the Cherokee Nation. No apologies to Jeep, though. You fuckers can take it. Yeah. Yeah, well, and also you can tell from the picture that I did also um, lose a tooth. Mm-hmm. So. She was so fucking cute. <laughs> I oh. never wanted her to get that too fixed. <laughs> I, oh, that's she so always sweet. had kind of jacked up teeth, and I for I have a weird thing of with like Jewel before she got her teeth fixed. I thought that was so fucking hot that little snaggle tooth. Oh gosh! And Mousy Berry had one of those too, so her teeth looked better. But I just thought it was adorable. Oh, <laughs> you would. Yeah. You could be bald and toothless, and he'd be your biggest fan. <laughs> that's love, though. That's the Eros right there. Yeah. Damn, and, that's so intense, man. Yeah. And I think that was good for me, too, to prove to myself that, you know, I, I was capable mm-hmm. of loving like that. Totally. Well, the sickness and health thing, it's like... It's fucking ju- real as shit, it's huh? Just beca- <laughs> it's just become some thing that people say at a fucking wedding ceremony while they're standing in a suit and eating like really good food you know like it's when that test comes down that you really learn how like what people are made of and all of those promises that we make now in modern society was just like they're just words people don't really think about them they just they just say them because it's what everybody says you know yeah that's beautiful though so you know i I had a different story that I was going to tell, but n- now that I've we've had this account, oh, we accidentally got radically honest. We're going to fucking uh, yeah, I, I think so because I I had always well, I'm going to tell the story anyway. So uh, <laughs> so when I got back from my first deployment, uh, Mousy Bear had actually been married and or like newly married, and although we had had all these years, you know, of like staying in touch and being we were romantically linked. It didn't seem like with my lifestyle and who I was and where she was that it was going to happen. So she Mm -hmm. married another guy. And then I came back from my first deployment and I had some fucking problems. It was not groovy (laughs) over there in a war zone. Yeah. (laughs) I've not really heard that great of things. Yeah. And you know, What's funny about it, though, now looking back on it is that it was uh, this sounds like bullshit. I know. But what really hurt after my first deployment wasn't the stuff that I had seen over there or anything. It it wasn't extraordinary. It wasn't people go through traumatic stuff all the time without being in a war zone. The real problem was that the people that I was with and the relationships I'd had weren't there when I came back. Everybody went to a new unit. They got out of the army and then they weren't there anymore. And I just was around all these strange new people that I hadn't been there with. Then when I go back home uh, on leave and my friends are fucking losers, just like they were when I left mm-hmm. and I don't have anybody. So I reach out to Mousy bear and I'm like, I'm in a bad place. I'm going to hurt. I'm a danger to myself and others right now. And I just need a friend. So I genuinely called her as a friend and I travel, you know, across state lines 
and her husband, uh, and this is horrible, but he is in like training to go to Iraq because I think he's trying to keep up with me. He knows about me at this point. Uh-oh. Yeah. And you know, it's clearly feeling threatened and rightfully so as it turns out, Uh-oh. but, uh, you know, we, we tell each other, me and Mousy bear that, you know, this is, this is, we're going to keep this straight. You know, I just need a friend. This is just, and it, it was, we've that already was the acknowledged most, though, that uh, men and women yeah. can't be friends. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's part of why I agree with you because especially for me, it's also hard to go back to, oh, yeah. you know, like, mm-hmm. cause I, it's already a done deal. There's so many years of knowing her that way. Yep. And then there's, there's so much raw attraction too. Yep. And you know, just the way she likes it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking about everything from like a, a buttered piece of toast all the way to the crazy stuff, you know? So that night we go to a party and I'm still in man whore mode and I'm still thinking, Oh geez. Uh, you know, there's this thing that I really want here and it feels like love, but it can't be, that can't be right. So what I should do is I should just hook up with one of these whores like normal, Mm. just be normal. That's normal. Yeah. You know, (laughs) just show her your helicopter dick moves. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I was getting all of the attention as like the fresh meat. And I ended up in bed with these two young ladies and at some point in, in before things got too intense, I just thought this isn't where I want to be. This is not what I want. This, this is not actually going to fulfill me in any way. And so I left those poor girls were really confused and upset and yeah. insulted, but I went with, with mousy bear. Nice. And that's a really sordid story. But in all honesty, that's, that's when I knew that, there, I was moving on to something else, and I know it's a shit fucking story in a lot of ways. But <laughs> well, you know, we can't really. Uh... But and then too, I knew that she was willing to make a pretty big sacrifice for me mm-hmm. too. That she was, and she did. She left her home and her family and a, a fledgling marriage to restart with me. So I guess that was our tower card. I, I wish that it had been with each other, <laughs> but I can't say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it, it involves other people no matter what, you, however you split it down, you know, but sometimes you got to go through them uh, wrong places to know what the right place is. Right. As, yes. as, as fucked up as it is. Like if you are always in the right place from day one, you don't understand what a right place and a wrong place even means. There's no meaning behind it. Yeah. It's just a concept. Uh, and we were like 20 and 19 at the time too. So, okay. you know, again, this is real yeah. tender years and lots of confusion. The wild times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, I think it was kind of normal for us to be in those types of situations. Uh, but, you know, in any case, the, the, the years that have followed that have proven that, we were the right people for each other. We were the right people to lead us Mm -hmm. 
in, into maturing into the, the people that we are now. Yeah. Those I girls, wish I would have just stuck with the, I cared for her after a horrible accident yeah. for my love. <laughs> yeah. You could have been a unblemished <laughs> Superman. Yeah. But not honest. But so, not, not radically okay. honest. Well, there you go. That's beautiful. I mean, that's the part, like the ugly bits are still part of like why you have uh, authority on the subject. You know, sometimes yeah. people look at I, yeah, a situation. I really fucking know. <laughs> sometimes people look at a situation that you have, you know, and they're like, oh, well, look at you, lucky fucking two shoes. You got it all figured out. And, you know, everything just happened right for you. And it's like, what you Definitely don't not. know about like the ugliness that I've had to go through is that I had to fight like fucking hell to get this. And if you don't, if you're not willing to fight like hell, you'll never have anything like it either. You know, if you're not willing to go through the shit and come out the other side that, you know, much more enlightened by going through the shit, if you go through the shit and all you can say is, well, I went through the shit, so that's why I'll never succeed, then you've, you've signed your own, you know, rest of your life right there. Like, it's a yeah. decision you have to make. Like, sometimes... We find ourselves in, in less than great situations, but it's all about what we, what we do afterwards. And, you know, you could have stayed in the bed 50 minutes and then had your epiphany, but you didn't. And that's what made it real. It was like, no, this is actually fake. And, yeah, it's, and it's, what's real is out there and I need to go get it right now. Yeah. It, because it, and this is actually related to like the whole point of this is, so often today we're confronted with a counterfeit version of love. And it's definitely what I was buying into. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes like I go back and I watch like one of those like early two thousands, like raunchy, like frat comedy type yeah. movies. And I'm like, it's no pie. wonder. Yeah. It's no wonder I thought this way. Totally. Like, I was completely programmed to, uh, what's, what are like some of the, the it's, there's a lot of like love them and leave them type terms that as young, a young man, it yeah. gets drilled into you. Like I'm supposed to fuck them and We're, then not love them. Don't catch feels. That's a really modern one. Oh, oh yeah. Don't yeah. catch Bro feels. Bros before hoes is kind of another one. Yeah. Like you should definitely spend more time with dudes than with women. Cause that would make you a fag. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding right now? Yeah. But I really, I had been totally programmed up to think that way. And yeah. I, I definitely did. Well, our culture just tweaks us the wrong way, and it's not fucking accidental, you know? Yeah. I, I Okay, so I'll reframe it just like that. In summary, I was so fucking retarded and badly programmed that it took me having to give up a threesome, like some sort of stupid male fantasy, <laughs> to realize that love is more than just sex. It's just weird they talk the chicks into it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a factor uh, though. It's a it's a it's a piece of a larger puzzle. Let's say this sure helps. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, we're about to hit the two hour mark, and I have not even mentioned boostograms, and now I feel like an ass. Oh, shit. So okay. I uh, the pins have been smashing uh, this whole time, and I want to thank some people for um, throwing in their uh, sats to this uh, new life, son of a bitch, we've got going on. Uh, they're using podcast apps from nudepodcastapps.com. They're sitting in their house. Uh, no clothes on, sending Satoshis. And uh, everybody here on mic is getting a little taste. Uh, 3333 was the first one in from Bully Steed tonight. Bully Steed. Thank you. And she's got a wolf emoji and a bowling emoji, and it says, 
Mousic. It's like music, but with an extra O in there for Mousy Bear. <laughs> Puff of smoke and a mouse emoji and then music notes. It was a, it was a beautiful deal. And then 11821 from Pfeiffer. That's like an extended Missouri smash boost. I give you one. He's Uh, he said, here's to the small group power couples. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, Thanks, Pfeiffer. Love you, buddy. 7777, Bowley Steed back at it again. Uh, she says, uh, she's boosting out of Fountain both times, by the way. The Pfeiffer boost came from Curiocaster. Uh, Bowley Steed says, life is more difficult alone. Life is better with a partner. This is true. This is true. And that's why it's easy to try and like skip that first step that you have to do as an adult of being okay with yourself. Like a lot of people never get to that portion and then they, you know, are never quite fulfilled and they're not sure why. And it's like easy to blame it on somebody else. Like, Oh, I haven't found the right person to provide that for me. That sense of whole wholeness, that sense of I am my own person and can stand on my own two feet. Like until you have established that for yourself, you can never really be that, uh, perfect partner for your partner, right? Mm -hmm. It's like they've got to fill this hole, and so then they're subtracting from their whole self to fill your hole, and then you never really do that combo thing where then you become a greater person. you got to both be okay as an individual, and then you can combine. It's just my opinion, though. I mean, that's just my perspective. I've I've been wrong before. 25,000 sats from Mary-Kate Ultra out of Fountain. She says, in all caps, uh, flanked by two heart emojis on each side, she says, take these Cupid's arrows, my fellow lovely lunatic whack jobs. <laughs> yeah, we'll take them. Thanks, Mary-Kate Ultra. You keep them, uh, you keep shooting those arrows. Absolutely. We appreciate you, Mary-Kate Ultra. Lavish came in out of Fountain. One, two, three, four, five sats from Lavish. Uh... With uh, the message, it's easy, Boost. <laughs> Lavish. I, I think you may have read that just a bit incorrectly. <laughs> I believe what Lavish donated was actually Un, Dos, Trace, Cuatro, Cinco. Un, small correction. Okay. I appreciate that. Somebody's got to keep me uh, in line. Thank you, bitch. Uh, <laughs> 26,969 sats from Hey, Citizen. Woo. Thanks, hey, citizen. Uh, he's coming in from Podverse. No message, just the boost. And uh, twice, if I'm to believe the helipad. So thank you. So thank you. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, and I also want to check the voicemail. I just I, I want to make sure that we are participating. We do have a voicemail. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. He's like, well, if we All have right. to. If we have to. You know, um, I made a comment when I came into the bowl uh, asking if this is Dr. Phil just because all the talk, talk, couple talk and whatnot. Uh, but I feel bad now after uh, hearing this, the tragic story of the, the crash and uh, teeth missing and uh, rekindled uh, or a it's right, flame that like burned ever brighter. <laughs> uh quite inspiring uh and i mean from that horrific crash it's just you know uh it's good good you survive so and to tell you the truth i i uh i never knew the story about uh circus media so 
in the ball. <laughs> he got hit so hard by a drunk driver, it split him into two people. <laughs> and it knocked one version of himself back like almost a decade in time. We fell off of a highway right into the Large Hadron Collider. <laughs> it was. <laughs> we accelerated. Modern science still cannot explain fully what happened that day, but here we are, you know. We're, we're just living the aftermath of it. So all we can do is the, uh, live the aftermath. <laughs> yeah, uh, NetNet asked in the bowl if this was Dr. Drew, and I said, no, this is Loveline. It's, or this is, if it's this Dr. Phil, I said, no, this is Loveline. This is Dr. Drew. You can call in. I dropped the uh, I dropped the number, so he took the bait. I appreciate you taking the bait, Nanette. Yeah, so I would say uh, to the caller, um, probably herpes, but you're going to want to go to the doctor for sure. Get that checked out. Man, I I, <laughs> I feel bad teasing the whole uh, animal slaughterage up front because you had this whole place. I knew you had this whole place you wanted to go, which is a beautiful place. No, it, was good. it helps balance it out. It Ned is right. Love in huge doses is also not cool. <laughs> yeah. You've got to, yeah, you've got to kind of balance that thing. Um, it's funny too, because in, in talking about something so complex and uh, I feel like I just sound like a rambling asshole because I'm contradicting oh, you myself. You know, I'm like, uh, well, you know, you've got to be radically honest, but you can't just overshare. And you got to like, you know, there's still a line to walk. Even, uh, even though, even though you got to be your true self, you know, you still have to, uh, walk a line and be respectful also. And I'm, uh, I battle with that a lot myself, you know, like, uh, I, I can't shut my mouth, but I try to temper what comes out of it while still saying what I think should be said. And sometimes it's the wrong thing, you know, like that's, that's another pitfall of uh, always saying something is that uh, often you can say the wrong thing, but I don't know. You don't always have to say something. In, uh, actually, isn't Lauren the one who always says, shut the fuck up <laughs> when you're uh, dealing with the police, for instance? Uh, yeah. You don't yes. always have to be saying, have you ever had, oh, you do have at least one encounter with like campus police. Oh yep. yeah, I've, I've had my share. And how well do you do with that? Are you really good at like stepping mm-hmm. back and be like, oh, now's not the time to be mm-hmm. my full self or. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Oh, God. Yeah. It's I, I it's often hard. wonder if I can do it now. Anytime I, the police show up, before. it's usually pretty tough to even know I'm still there. If I'm still there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, get, I don't know I get, how those raccoon arms got there. I get wild. That's crazy. <laughs> I just heard some pins smack from Eastside Tony. Four twenty sats on Podverse. Look at that. Oh, thanks, Eastside Tony. He said, "Great episode tonight, y'all." Kicking back a space dust and smoking a bowl. I even made a meme for the occasion. Defend the network. Laughs in Spanish. That's the hey, that's the ha ha, ha 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 with J's J A J A J A J. Oh, he's da, even da, da. in the IRC. Oh yeah. What a fucking dude. Yeah, he's all up in this thing. In the bowl. Look at that. It's all about the live experience, you know. Hanging out where the bowlers be. Uh-oh, here comes another one. Really? I love it because the uh, IRC chat will inform me, so I get, like, the Radar O'Reilly before the pins even smash. Uh, there it is. 1953 ah. sats from Sir TJ the Ratful out of CurioCaster. 
like a slow roller. No, no, just the boost. I appreciate you. Thank you, Sir TJ. See you out there, my brother. I think, I bet his number, his boost number, it has significance to him. 1953. 1953. Like a, like a dad or like something. He's going to the sock hop. Oh, yeah, that's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. We're talking about love and he's thinking sock hops. Peak love. <laughs> that's where you find love. So what inspired you uh, into this whole uh, love theme tonight? Is it just the next natural progression from uh, self-sustaining that we talked about I, last uh, last time? I think so. Uh, it's just there's so much shit that's that's broken in the world. And like you see it on No Agenda Social, even you know Adam has mentioned it mm-hmm. recently. It started with like the complaining about memes, but then it's not, it's all this unhealthy stuff and it doesn't really matter. Like you, you can get around people that you think you've got these commonalities with and these overlaps, um, you know, like with COVID, like how many people left this like small, no agenda and no agenda adjacent community because they believe something about COVID that nobody else does. And that's a big one. And it ended up being big mm-hmm. and it fucking sucks. And I, I don't have those answers, but what I do know is that you, you better be serious about love. That's the only way that we're going to get any of this to make any sense ever again. I think that's totally right. I think it's right. Um, I always try to have love in my heart. And when I'm saying about like not holding my tongue, but tempering my statement, like that's, that I think is a love reflex, you know. Um, I wanted to ask you about your music project, but I guess to lead into that, like I recently put that rap out, uh, <laughs> "The Wait Is Over," which was uh, "Wait Is Over," which was just a, a incredibly critical about Wave Lake. Um, but I'm trying to do that in love because I want it to get better too, and I think that we all have different roles to play in that struggle for pushing things to a better spot. And that's why I was careful with the, with the hook where, you know, I'm saying that my love is tough and it does get confused with hate. Like I'm not trying to be a hater or like trying to claim I'm better than anybody. I'm just saying that we want to together collectively go to a better place and we got to keep our eye out for uh, how to get there. So I don't know, like Maybe I don't really know all of the solutions just yet, but I know like what we want to avoid for sure. And I know where there's some problems. And so if I can at least highlight that, like maybe that's my small contribution, you know? Yeah. I think you pulled it off. Still it's just fine. Just love based. And it's been uh, received with a lot of love too. So like, I think that I think it came across. Yeah. And, well, and so you and I talking about this, like we keep, drifting towards this like hearty Mary Kate ultra Cupid arrow emoji yeah. version of it. But it's, it's not all that. I mean, it's one of the things that really attracts me to behind the schemes is that to me that that's love too. what they're doing. Totally. It's, it's different, but there's definitely a, a friendly type of love between those two guys and I think that they, because they come through with their, their own sense of authenticity, I, I think that that's love too. And it's, if you get too caught up into the, the Cupid's arrow type bullshit about it, where everything has to be so soft and gentle, yeah, then 
you don't you you miss out on like the full picture of it. Sure, love is, is all those things too. Because if if you never once came to Lorian and said something that was n- not like totally flattering, yeah, that's not love either. You know. Anyway, I, I guess now I'm rambling. I am the rambling asshole. Well, ramble uh, ramble to me a little bit about what White Triangles is all about, because this is your recent project, and I adore everything that you've put out so far on this uh, decentralized music experiment that we're all uh, running with lately. White Triangles is my attempt to be radically honest with my music, because the thing, the thoughts that I have in my mind and what I want to put out there, I, they could never make it through any sort of conventional process. I I don't even know if some of the stuff would last on SoundCloud or Bandcamp if I wanted to go that route. Mm. And it's not what I want anyways. What I want is to be able to put that out there and I don't want anybody to be forced or coerced to listen to it. But for the people who do want to listen to it, and get something out of it. I want it to be available to them so that they can get that same kind of comfort. So that any conflict or darkness is that is inside of me. I can put, I can express that in a form where there's some sort of sense of consolation with it. And mm. it's, and it's heavy. Like when, uh, Lorian and Mary Kate and Daisy played it on homegrown hits. It, it, uh, well, specifically when they played White Suit Gold Rings, in contrast to the other stuff that they played after White Suit Gold Rings, like there's like a little bit of silence, and they're like, "Wow, <laughs> like that's yeah, uh, mm, like almost hard." Like they, it's like they had to take a, a deep breath to get back on track, mm-hmm. and that's that's the whole vibe that I want to go for. And in with that, I want to weave in the humor. So then the other one that they played, the pitiful track, yeah. Where I'm, I'm saying like the other crazy, like I, I have those thoughts all the time. Like, do you know, I saw an up armor truck the other day with Google's logo on it. Or, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just saying the moon ain't where it used to be. They are moving that son of a bitch when no one's looking. Like <laughs> those are real, real thoughts that I have, but I'm trying to express them in a way where all that deep stuff and all of the the fear and actually Mary Kate used the word terror. And I was honored that she used that. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Mm. That feeling of terror, but weave it in there with humor too, so that all that stuff can be consoling and humorous. And at the end of it, you just kind of laugh about it and you move on. Totally. You go listen to something else. That's a little bit more normal. (laughs) You're not supposed to binge. Listen to white triangles. I'm Mary Kate. <laughs> Just you wait, man. There's gonna be an army of white triangulos. Oh, <laughs> I like it. Gonna just paint, paint like white triangle faces on their heads, and yeah, it's gonna be a thing. It's gonna be a cultural, cultural phenomena. And I'm gonna put a little pressure on you right now Uh-oh. in front of this public audience of literally a dozen people, <laughs> at least. I'm sweating. I, I, now. I think you and I can harmonize. I think that's probably true. I, I'm going to challenge myself to put something together where all you have to do is figure out how you're going to sing and harmonize over what I've put together. And okay. I think, I think that there's a good, a really good sound that'll come. And I'm not going to, it's not going to be white triangles sound. I'm not going to do that to you. 
I'll, that's not I, that's I, not the sound, thing I'm, that should come out of you. I'm versatile. I'm versatile, man. Uh, it, whatever you send me, I'm happy to collaborate on that. That is my uh, Vilos commitment to you right now. Thanks. Yeah, of course. And I know that we can because we've done it before. We did uh, Harmonize in Uranus. Yeah. yeah. We, beautiful harmony in Uranus. Mm-hmm. I thought it Something was Uranus. about the acoustics in there. <laughs> <laughs> was it my anus? I thought it was your anus. My anus is in Indiana. It was our collective anus. <laughs> our anus. It's our anus now, <laughs> this comrade. This is our anus, comrade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, I'm so excited, and uh, it's funny, because now people found out I can rap, and so I'm getting uh, messages and beats sent to me, which is fun. I'm like, uh But you're a singer. You're a I good do? singer. I, I can sing some stuff. I can do voices, which is uh, what I always wanted to do. Like, I really love what Chris Vox has going on with Hairball, where he gets to, like, impersonate all these, like, uh, rock heroes. Because I always called it retard karaoke, right? And <laughs> retard karaoke is where you pick songs specifically to do, like, an over-the-top caricature of the vocals, like, of the voice, you know, like... Uh, um, like Scott Stapp is always a sweet spot for me. If you put some Creed on, like I'll do like a overdone Scott Stapp to the to the Creed song. Uh, yeah, that is always like hugely appealing to me. And when we talked to him, he said that's how Hairball started out. Was like, uh, they'd have uh, well, the Journey guy was fucking Steve Perry. Steve Perry come out with like his humongous uh, prosthetic nose and then do like an over the top <laughs> Steve Perry kind of thing, you know. Uh, and then over time it became more of like a homage than a caricature, but I really love that. Uh, I don't know. I'm just a sucker for that. That's always been fun to me when I'm like trying to sing, I'm trying to match not just notes, but I'm trying to match like the vocal inflections and stuff. You know what I do that's similar, but even more retarded is I do chicken karaoke where I like to sing songs as a chicken. Oh, Okay. So I, I might go, bark, 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 like that. <laughs> okay. That is pretty Sorry. retarded. You're right. <laughs> How do the chickens feel about this? Do they uh, give you evil looks like you're culturally appropriating? Or, yes. Yeah. That's what yeah. I figured. Chickens take that kind of shit real hard, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they don't really have the size of the brain required to, you know, have a great sense of humor. So it's just always react and reaction, reaction, you know, never great. So is the white triangles chicken song, the next one in the shoot, when can we expect a, uh... Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tony. <laughs> Love later. We'll get that. Mousy Bear's like, look, you've told some embarrassing stories, which is fine, but this chicken thing is the bridge too far. I am not willing to take this sacrifice we gotta, on. We got to pull back. We can't go turbo chicken tunta. I think the meows are more endearing. Than- oh, yeah, I do it. as I do kitty karaoke, too. Oh, that might, yeah, that might be. Uh, yeah. Playing yeah, to the better. meme audience a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm not gonna do it now. Yeah, yeah. everybody's just yeah. waiting. Like, <laughs> yeah, you gonna you gonna do, do a song meow? <laughs> no. Net Net is from Detroit, where they have jive ass turkeys. So he does his in a turkey voice. That's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, music is for the birds anyway. What are we doing? <laughs> We're doing the wrong thing. Time to change careers again, baby. Always be adaptable. So what do you think is the take-home uh, solution? We need love, and society has tricked us and trapped us and... Um, uh, basically programmed us to be oblivious to love and instead to be like selfish. What's the, yeah. what's, it, what, what can we do as just simple bowlers? Like what can we actually do about it? Everything is internal and external, right? So it's, everything is permeation, like things going in, things going out, this push and pull. And so it's, working on yourself so that you are the master of yourself. Your number one responsibility is be the best version of yourself. And you only realize how good you are. Your only way of, of making an evaluation of how useful you are is to put yourself out there, give yourself some friction so that you know how valuable you might be. So the takeaway is get your shit together mm. and be useful to other people because love is the only thing that is going to make any of the shit make sense. That's the takeaway. Get your shit together and find somebody to love. <laughs> wow. That is fucking beautiful. That's 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 where I wanna that's where I wanna send it off. That is profound, man. This hey, has been thanks, uh thanks for having us on. This has been just like, I, I say this every time, but this has really been a breeze of a two plus hour conversation. Like, oh, it's been like a pleasure. This, I couldn't even pull the boostergrams out until like way later in because we just, you always uh, get me into this great, uh, deep, thoughtful, spiritual place. And that's right where I want to be. Like, these two topics are so important to me. It's like left foot, right foot self-responsibility and loving others and uh i just appreciate you both like putting that message together and bringing it and being able to share it with everybody it's it's very valuable uh we all appreciate that week in and week out you guys do a podcast and you put your little bit of love out there every week it's a lot of fucking work and i know i appreciate it well they say you know do what you love and it ain't work at all <laughs> something like that I don't know what the hell they say I just fucking know what I say barely but I do say uh, thanks all you bowlers for listening we love you as well we know the value for value cycle is really a love for love cycle that's right and it's a amen amen can I get it can I can you feel me in the back amen feel me in the back amen and amen. Uh, hey this love cycle uh, is going to keep on going. This thing is going to keep going. You know it is. This is going to keep going. We're going to be back Tuesday night, just like always. Uh, Stream.bowlafterbowl.com live, as well as the No Agenda stream right after DH Unplug wraps up. Usually around 9 central U.S. times when we take over that stream. Until then, you can always count on me 
to In Love, be Sir Spencer, Wolf of Kansas City. I'll always be Dame DeLorean. <laughs> He'll be a Later. chicken. <laughs> and she'll be a mouse. <laughs> love you guys. And happy, love you. love you. Happy early birthday, Mousy Bear. Oh, thanks. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Till next time, bowlers. May your bowls burn ever brighter. Shout out. Shout out. Well, I've often thought that he maybe is a little autistic. No matter what I say, it draws controversy. Sorry about the whole weed thing. What are you doing yet? That's a scam! Bad taste. All that you gotta do is just ask them questions and listen to what they have to say and shit. Bowlafterbowl.com Bowl after bowl.com.